As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Phil. And this is Kira. Welcome to the How We Do It podcast. A marriage podcast about our story. Which we use to help couples better themselves. We use our podcast to help married couples navigate through their relationship. So grab a pen and pencil. Take a listen to the next episode of the How, How We, we do, do It podcast. podcast. Marriage done our way. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when women wear a lot of makeup because that's a that's a telltale sign of insecurity. I don't agree, but go ahead. Why you why you don't agree? Some people just like makeup. Nah, if you are confident in your skin that you're in, you're not going to cover it up with a, with like levels and levels and levels and cakes and cakes of I makeup. Agree. I, I I don't know nobody because. Th- I look at it like this. The girl who I follow on Instagram, Supercent, she have her own makeup line, the crayon case. Mm-hmm. She wear a lot of makeup, but she also go on Facebook Live with no makeup, Instagram Live with no makeup but on. But this same girl sells the makeup, right? Yeah, she sell it. Okay, that makes sense. That's but her product. But she like makeup. That's no, what I'm but saying. what I'm saying is that's her product. What, what I'm saying is when you are beautiful in your own eyes, I'm not saying to anybody else's standard. I'm not saying towards society's standard. When you look upon yourself and say, I am beautiful, you're not going to cover that up. You might enhance it, but to cake all this makeup on your face, and so now every time you are seen, this is how you present yourself. That's an insecurity. I don't agree. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the How We Do It podcast featuring me, Kira. And I'm and this is episode number 57. 57. Like the hot sauce or barbecue sauce. Hans, what is it? Hans, Hans 57. Yeah, that's what it is. Hans 57. That's barbecue sauce. I don't like it. Hans got ketchup. They got barbecue sauce too. Oh, I didn't know that. Uncle Dad used to like it. It's, it's kind of orangish. Yes. You put it on like steak and stuff, like steak sauce. Oh, okay. Yeah, I ain't yeah. never, I ain't never I don't like it. He used to love it. I would try it though if I was still eating steak. You could put it on your um chickpea. I mean, not chickpea. What's it called? Cauliflower. Oh, it's like it's like buffalo sauce. No, it's like a steak sauce or like a condiment. It's on the same as all the barbecue sauce in the grocery store. Get it the next time. Okay. We'll if I if, like. let me put it on my list right now so I won't forget. There you go. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the How We Do It podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and this podcast is a part two to last week's podcast 
Um, last week's podcast was about being emotionally neglected by an emotionally detached parent. And I thought that episode was really, really successful because there were so many people, especially on Facebook, that I, I don't know their upbringing. I don't know what they went through or what happened, but we all have something that we took from our childhood that's still plaguing us today. Yeah. And need we some all therapy. Have, need some therapy. Yeah. I believe a lot of people do. And um, I think a lot of us, um, especially from last week's episode, could relate to a lot of the um, results of being raised by an emotionally detached parent. And don't be like me, y'all, because I, you know, and we were just talking about this the other day, how... I've been doing so much better as far as, like, my attitude. I've been working out. You just told me, you look a little skinnier and stuff, and my mood has been better. So what what I've been doing, y'all, I missed my last two therapy sessions. Mm. So I have one that's coming Friday. So I'm like, maybe I should go. <laughs> yeah, I think you should, and just to see where your growth is. It's just like starting the an antibiotic, and you start to feel better, but you, and you stop taking it before you finish. That's what I just, that's what I'm doing. That's a good example. Yeah. A lot of people do that. They have like a bladder infection or something, and they take the little antibiotics and, oh, my bladder don't hurt no more, so they don't finish it in the comeback. Mm-hmm. So that that was what I did. Like, I was going to therapy, and everything just started getting better. I'm like, girl, I ain't finna go to therapy. But it's supposed to be like a maintenance. Like, you just keep working on it instead of just... Oh, I'm better now. I'm done. It's like something you want to keep. keep I think up. what it is like is upkeep. We want stuff to be over with right now. Yeah. So I had some issues growing up. Um, me and my parents wasn't whatever, whatever. And now I'm 20, I'm 30, whatever my age is. I'm grown, and now it's like. I don't like the way my life is. I don't like how I feel. I don't like the fact that I can't connect with a lot of people and all of the the backlash from being raised by an emotionally detached parent. And then you go to therapy or you, you, you're going to do one of these uh, tips that we're getting ready to share on how to overcome this. And we want things to happen like right now. Cool. I went to therapy. I should be 100% whole now. Like right. It's not going to happen like that. So, uh, today's episode is to help those that are or may be or could be dealing with an emotionally detached parent. And I don't mean like you're being raised by them now. I'm saying like you grew up, you have kids now, or you're not parenting. You're just an adult and you have, you know, social issues. It's hard for you to pick the right type of friends. It's hard for you to pick the right type of spouse. You don't make solid decisions. You second guess yourself. Your confidence is in the toilet. Uh, insecurities up the wazoo. Uh, me and Tim was talking earlier um, about because I don't like when women wear a lot of makeup because that's a that's a telltale sign of insecurity. I don't agree, but go ahead. Why you why you don't agree? Some people just like makeup. Nah, if you are confident in your skin that you're in, you're not going to cover it up with uh, with like levels and levels and levels and cakes and cakes of I makeup. Agree. I, I I don't know nobody. Because 
I look at it like this. The girl who I follow on Instagram, Super Scent, she have her own makeup line, the crayon case. Mm -hmm. She wear a lot of makeup, but she also go on Facebook Live with no makeup, Instagram Live with no makeup on. But this same girl sells the makeup, right? Yeah, she sell it. Okay, that makes sense. That's but her product. But she like makeup. That's no, what but saying. what I'm saying is that's her product. What, what I'm saying is when you are beautiful in your own eyes, I'm not saying to anybody else's standard. I'm not saying towards society's standard. When you look upon yourself and say, I am beautiful, you're not going to cover that up. You might enhance it, but to cake all this makeup on your face, and so now every time you are seen, this is how you present yourself. That's an insecurity. I don't agree. <laughs> okay. You may not agree, but show, I mean, me, I'm not, I'm not show saying... me somebody who has to be seen, and I'm not talking about Super Scent because she's selling her own product. I'm talking about some, she can't step out the house without makeup. And she's 100% secure in how she naturally looks. Yeah, that's, I, that's what I was going to say. I, I'm not saying that all women are insecure that likes a lot of makeup and all women vice versa or whatever. I just don't feel like that's the case with everybody. That's all. I believe it is. And I'm going to tell you why. Sit down and ask these people, why do you wear so much makeup? Why won't you come out the house with your regular face, your regular eyebrows, your regular... Because I know my sister wear a lot of makeup. Why won't she come out the house without it? I don't know. I never asked her that. Exactly. So I'm, so I'm saying, I I can't say everybody because I know for a fact that I was dating a person who I thought had beautiful skin. And she would put this brush in this stuff and dab all over her face. And to the point that if she hugged you, it would rub off on your clothes. And so I would ask her, like, why you always put that stuff on before we go out? And so she was like, I got bad skin. I said, where? I I don't want to have bad skin and I don't wear makeup. But that's because you're comfortable in the skin you're in. Look at all the women who walk around with the nice body. Right? Sunbeam. She works out and she's always showing off the results of what she's proud of. Right. Name somebody who loves the way they look and covers it up. That does, just doesn't make sense. Since I do. You love the way you look and you want you purposely cover yourself up. Yeah, because I don't like men staring at me. How do you cover yourself up? I don't wear revealing clothes. That ain't what I mean, like you got to wear revealing clothes. I'm just saying, like, if you're proud of, because I guarantee you, you're working out now. If we see some results that is significantly different, you telling me you're going to go out here with some big old jogger pants on. because Oh, you're, no. Ex that's what I'm saying. When you're proud of who it is and what you are becoming, you don't cover that up. And if you see a woman who is confident in her beauty, she may enhance it with some makeup, but to cake that shit on to the point where every time you walk out the door, we never know what you really look like. Yeah. That, to me, I could be 100% wrong. Well, you know, but I, that just don't make sense to me. Yeah, I used to be like that. That's why I say I agree, but I don't agree. Because a lot of people just like makeup. Like, they like to play, like, Corian. She got this thing now where she like to just play in makeup. Like, she be making all kind of characters on her face. Like, she drew herself as the Grinch for Christmas last year. And she wear a lot of different color eyeshadows and stuff. But, but I've seen Corian without makeup. Yeah. So she's not like somebody that, you know, the person me and Tim was talking about. That's what I'm saying. So everybody's yeah. not insecure like that who wears a lot of makeup. So no, but see, you keep saying everybody's not insecure who, who wears a lot of makeup. And you're talking about people who can come in, come out of the house with or without. I'm saying you've never seen this person without oh. their makeup. 
and they got it caked on and piled on. If I am naturally beautiful to me, I'm not saying to anybody else's standard, I don't care what nobody else say, I want you to see what I believe looks beautiful. But if you got to put all of this makeup on all the time, each and every time, that's a sign of some type of insecurity where you don't feel confident that what you have to naturally offer is is prime example. When we first came out, it was considered like, oh, she got weave in her hair. Uh, now, you said when what first came out? Weave, hair weave. I like to say a weave, like weave, what we do? No, 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 no. Hair weave, when it first came out, black women, because remember, they had, I don't know how they did it in Atlanta, but in Chicago, they actually had little nursery rhyme songs and stuff about women wearing weave and making fun of you if you got a phony ponytail and all that stuff. Now, don't nobody care now. You know, everybody wears weave all the time. Yeah, they got lace fronts and yeah. stuff that look like it's real, but it's not. So, here's the thing. It's like, see a girl come out the house and snatch, <laughs> snatch her wig off her head or yank a little ponytail off. Watch what their reaction is. It's embarrassment. It's, oh, my God. That happened to me. What? My cousin Derek ripped my wig off in the cafeteria in school. Oh wow! But I didn't. I was a. I wasn't even embarrassed because everybody knew it was. It was like a bob. Everybody knew I had long hair, mm-hmm. so everybody knew it was a wig. I just wanted to wear it because it was cute, and I didn't want to cut my hair. But it was more annoying than irritating because he than than anything because he was irritating. Uh-huh. Like he played too much. Like go somewhere and sit down, dang, and just put it back on to go on about your business. Right, right, right. But like, why would you? <laughs> <laughs> Kids in high school he just, just having like, fun. He said, "Ooh, ooh!" He just pulled it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing yeah. I'm saying is like the the typical person who wears weave all the time. If somebody snatches their wig off or pull their weave, their reaction is is complete embarrassment. Yeah, right. And I don't know. I can't say everybody who wears weave is wearing it because of insecurities or, you know, because I, I know. I used to like to wear, like, when I, I remember my first time wearing weave, I was in the um, eighth grade or seventh grade. This lady mama took me to and gave me a perm. You know, I have that real, real soft hair. And she put a kitty perm in my head instead of putting a regular perm. And the kitty perm broke my hair off really, really bad. And I had to get my hair cut in like a bob, like right at my earlobes. And I was like, looked like a fool, like a bulb was on my head. <laughs> I did. And I was like in the seventh or eighth grade. And so uh, once it started growing out, I used to wear ponytails, on t- pon- like a genie ponytail. Mm. I used to wear those all the time. Yeah. I, I know like for different women... Because you got dudes now that got weave pieces and hair pieces and stuff. <laughs> they got I be weave. Seeing a little, they got weave mustaches and beards. Yeah, like they, they actually glued. I don't know how they do it, but they, <laughs> they put it on and then they blow dried and then you, they blend it in I with the regular hair. I saw a dude hair. get a whole wig glued on his head like some locks. Yeah, that's too much. And you know what? When I was working at my last job, I went to Enterprise. And a gay dude asked me, that's all your hair? And I was like, yeah. And so it was a it was another gay dude that worked there. And he was like, that's all his hair. And then the other gay dude that came out the back was like, well, this mine too. And I was like, what is he talking about? He had paid for his, his lock. Oh. But I remember seeing him. He had a low cut. But I didn't pay attention to that he yeah. had his hair pulled yeah. in a ponytail. So men is doing it now. But the point I'm making is, a lot of people who grow up from 
detached or emotionally detached parents have lots of insecurities. And wearing a lot of makeup is one of them. It may not apply to everybody. But uh, the thing is, when you are not securing yourself, that's a, re- a reflection of someone not allowing you or, or showing you security when you was a child. So you don't know how to provide that for yourself as an adult. So today we went over 10 ways you can heal from this, and we're going to share those with the public. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, people who choose to heal will heal. And the reason why I'm saying that is because a lot of people, like how you said you was going to the therapist, mm-hmm. and, 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 and all of a sudden you just decided to stop for whatever reason. Because I feel good. And I feel like... Um... Cause you know therapists, they ask certain questions to get into stuff that, like you like like you said, that we don't think about, or we don't want to face. The shadow work. Yeah, shadow work. And so I've already done a lot of shadow work. Shadow work. And so a lot of the stuff that she's asked me about, I feel like I already dealt with that. I wrote in my journal. I talked to my ancestors. I went to the altar, and whatever else I felt like I needed to do to heal. So I kind of feel like I don't want to keep talking about it if I already dealt with it. But um. Because the last time I went, you know, from what I was telling her, she was like, well, this doesn't cause for any medication. And I was glad because I didn't want to get put on anything anyway. But she mentioned something about cognitive reframing, and then you, you studied that as well. And so um, she was talking about me buying some workbooks and stuff like that. And I just feel like I don't have to spend extra money on buying workbooks when I could go on YouTube and watch videos like that. Right. They teach me how to do that. So, um... That's uh, that's one reason why I stopped going to therapy. Not that I don't like her because um she's a black lady, so I like that. And she was cool, so I liked her. I just feel like a lot of the stuff that um a lot of, a lot of my issues I think was still postpartum. Um and AD. So let me ask you this, how do you know you over those issues? Like if you went to therapy and she decided to ask you about those, how do you know you completely healed from them? I don't know. So that's why you should go. I mean, yeah, I, I think about it. But, um, yeah, I probably go. My appointment is Friday at 2.30, so. Yeah, I think you should go because the if there's any resentment there or any hesitation, you know, to, if, you know, you're reluctant to, to go to therapy, then there's that's still some wounds there. You don't really want to open them. And you're trying to convince yourself Oh, I'm good. I got past it. I don't need to talk about that no more. Then it would be nothing if she brought it up. You could talk about it openly. You can express yourself, and y'all can move on to the next subject. But if you're avoiding her because you don't want to talk about certain things, that means still some stuff hanging out in the shadow that needs to be worked on. And that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing is because we want complete holistic healing from everything that's plaguing us because we don't realize, like, if you go back over last week's uh the, the, the things that affect people after they've been, been raised by an emotionally detached parent. Um, insecurities, we was talking about that. Uh, that's one of them. That's a big one where you don't feel confident. you at work and maybe they're asking input from employees, but you don't have the confidence to work to raise your hand and give your input. Or, you know, number two was poor choices in friends and relationships. Uh, number three was settling for less. These are all different things, and the list goes on and on and on of the effects of being raised by an emotionally detached parent. And the thing is, 
I didn't receive the confidence building or the security in my parent growing up. So I don't know how to see that in other people. You might have a friend who is embarking on something that is great and you get nervous for them and you talk them out of it. Mm-hmm. Or That's what my mama is. You know, yeah. They might be getting ready to get married or buy a house. I'd or, be so excited and then you sure you want to do that because so and so and so so and you didn't get it thinking like, dang, she right. Maybe I shouldn't do this because so and so and so and so and then I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be having second thoughts. And then you'll say something like, is this what you really want to do? I'm like, yeah, well, do it then. I'm like, okay, you right. I'm going to do it. And yeah. then I'd be glad I did did it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what I really want to do in the first place. Well, the thing is, the person who's talking you out of doing something that is fearful to them, not to you, but to them, is only reflecting on you. How they feel. How they feel. And it had to stem from something because you got to think it. Think about it. Our beliefs govern how we carry ourselves. Mm-hmm. Everything we believe, that's what the actions follow. So, for an example, if I was on a bus and it was crowded and there was no seats left and an old woman got on a bus with a bag full of groceries and she has no place to sit, based on my beliefs, I would say, ma'am, you can sit here. So, my belief literally prompted an action. I would physically get up and say, ma'am, you can sit here because I believe that's the right thing to do. But you got some people nowadays, hey, she should have got here first. Mm-hmm. And the man will keep sitting. Is he right or wrong? It's his belief. I believe that I got on the bus first. I don't care that. I didn't tell that lady to bring all those bags on the bus. And yeah, I don't get up people no more. I seen a girl on a bus got on, got on a bus pregnant and they still sat down. And the girl would get up and let her sit down. The niggas would still be sitting there. Mm-hmm. But that's that's all about belief. Think about how if a woman thinks a man is cheating with no proof, but if she believes he is, her actions is going to follow. Let me see your phone. Where you finna go? I will call her then. Tell, text me, you know, where you at? All that kind of stuff. So your actions follows your belief. So if you believe something that came from when you was a child that that plagued you i'm gonna call you and i'm gonna i'm gonna put my beliefs on you hey i don't think you should be going to college right now i don't think you should be going out it's covid and blah 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 and all this mm-hmm. other stuff and so now you start to find yourself like dang why is my friend talking to me like that we don't see what happened to the friend when they was growing up and what they dealt with and what shaped their belief so now all of a sudden here we are adults and we can't be happy for our friends. This one just got uh, a promotion at their job, and instead of me being happy, I'm jealous. And I don't want to be jealous because I know it's wrong, but I feel like, wow, I couldn't get it. I work hard, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Why do you have this connection with somebody else? It's typically from an emotionally detached parent. So how do we overcome these things. We got 10 tips we're going to share today on episode 57. Mm-hmm. And I guess since I'm talking, I go ahead and no. get it off. You want to do it? I'll do it. All right. Well, you go ahead. You can do number one. So number one is accept what has happened. No, you go ahead. No, you jumped in. Come on now. <laughs> we'll, we'll break that down. Accept what? what has happened. Yeah. Okay. How to heal from this is to accept what has happened. So 
Um, a lot of people be in denial about certain stuff. Like, I just, the first word I heard was molestation. So I guess it's for somebody who got molested. Mm. So um, if you got molested and you feel like it's your fault, obviously it's not your fault for some pervert to touch on, touch on you when you were a kid. Right. So you have to accept that it's not your fault and that's just a part of your past and you have to find a way to heal from that so you can move on and stop being angry at yourself. I, I, I agree. Um, A lot of times we don't heal because we don't want to accept it because of negative connotation. I'm embarrassed that it happened. Or oh, everybody going to think I'm crazy because I'm going to therapy for this. Or oh, I got to take medication or I've been dealing with anxiety and That's folks a big think something thing, is wrong medication. Because I was a, because at one point I feel like I needed to take medication, but I was ashamed. Mm. of like what you would think or not so much as my mom and my sister because they take medication. Right. But I just didn't know how you was going to react for uh, react to it if I needed to take it because at one point I thought I did need it. But I don't feel like I don't feel like that anymore. But at one point I did. Well, I'm glad that you didn't have to take it because you know how I feel about medicine. I'm not a real big I just wanted to feel like myself again. Yeah. I, and, I know. Yeah. And I I was doing a lot of research on sertraline. That's what my mom and my sister take. And I heard a lot of people saying that it helped them to feel like they self again after a few weeks. I just didn't want to go over I just didn't want to deal with those side effects. Mm. Because it alters your your brain chemistry. Um mental medication. It alters your brain chemistry. And um, you know I'm afraid of vomiting. So, in order for your brain chemistry to be rewired to feel happy, it has to do something to something in your brain that regulates the hormone that makes you throw up or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, a lot of people throw up really, really bad while they're taking mental medication. And I'm like, I don't want to take that. Yeah. <laughs> if I got to throw up for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, you know I'm not a big fan of medicine. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of that. Uh, I take a lot of holistic, you know, stuff, but yeah, I take, I take, I take vitamins and herbs every day. But yeah. for me to take, you know, mental well, medication, one of the I things feel... that I can say when I was doing my radio show, I interviewed a doctor who um, we asked, I asked him about, you know, because he asked me, did I agree with medicine? I, I absolutely told him no. And then he said, well, let me explain to you: all medicine is derived from some herb, some natural sub, uh, substance. However, they do a lot of shit to it where it's no longer natural. All right. But he said, I will tell you this. I would prefer you take natural uh, substances and herbs and go the natural route, the holistic route. He said, here's the problem with the holistic route. It's slow. Mm -hmm. So if you need something right now, immediate instant change, that's where the medicine come in. He said, but... uh, the thing is, we would rather you start the medication so you can get back to where you want to be and then slowly wing yourself off. Yeah. And a lot of people, um, they did that. When I was re- researching the sertraline, it's, it's the, the, the generic name is called sertraline, but the brand name is called Zoloft. You heard of that? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not big on medicine, oh. so yeah. Well, yeah, so a lot of people will take the sertraline for, like, maybe six months, and then they'll go back to their therapist to see how they're doing. And if they're doing good, then they'll start to wean them off or lessen the um, milligrams of it. Okay. And so, but if some people, like one guy, I just, I don't want to sound mean, but one of the guys I watched on YouTube, it just seemed like he wanted to be on medication. Because he ended up going from, like, 50 milligrams to, I, I, 
I just feel like I need 250 milligrams. And I'm like, you need some therapy, but I, I can't I can't judge him. Like, that's his journey, but I was just watching the channel to get a feel of, like, how this medication could affect me right. if I decide to take it. Because my um, Dr. White, my primary care physician, she prescribed me um, lorazepam or something. It's still in the kitchen right now. I haven't taken it because... I had never heard of it, and I wanted to go to the therapist first to see what she said. Okay. So when I had an appointment, she asked me, how is this so-and-so? I forgot the name, Lorenzo Pram. How was that um doing for you? I said, I haven't taken it because I want to go to the therapist first. She said, okay, that's fine. Because this is my brain, you know what I'm saying, and I don't want to take these pills that may alter it because a lot of medication have, like, suicidal um side effects and negative dark thoughts and stuff, and I'm like, I don't, like, I know I'm not, happy, you know what I'm saying, right now, but I don't want to be like, I want to kill myself if I take this pill. Right. So, I'm like, let me just, you know, try to help myself and go to therapy and start eating better and working out, and it's been doing really good. Well, I'm glad you took that approach instead of taking something with side effects that include suicide. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, racing thoughts, they can't sleep, they can't eat. Like, a lot of people on Sertraline lose weight because they don't have an appetite no more. That's a side effect. No, I like eating. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that side effect. <laughs> I like eating. <laughs> so we're going to move on to uh, tip number two on how to heal from emotionally detached parents. Uh, number two is write out your repressed feelings. Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I meant that's for me. That um, that's self-explanatory because I write a lot. Mm. So a lot of stuff that I don't want to say out loud. And sometimes I have a it not not an issue, but sometimes it's hard to even write it down and read it to yourself. Like, damn, I feel like that. But it's it's good to get it out because you don't feel like you bottling bottling everything up on the inside. But see, this goes back to number one: accept it. If you don't accept that it happens, it sounds embarrassing to even read it yourself. It sounds embarrassing to even say it or to tell somebody else. So if you don't want to hear yourself say it, you know what I mean? You haven't accepted it because it's a part of you. And the only way you can heal from it is to accept it so you can move forward. Number three on how to heal from emotionally detached parents is use other words to describe what you are feeling. Now, oh, this, okay, go ahead. <laughs> this no, this is really, really good because what happens is there are times where people don't want to tell you what's going on because they're embarrassed by it. Yeah. But then there are times where people don't know how to put it into words. Mm-hmm. So all they know is it makes me feel stressed, or it makes me feel frustrated, or I just feel like like you remember you used to tell me like I don't know why I feel like crying. Yeah. Those are bottled up and repressed emotions that you are not sharing. And so when it's trying to, you know, uh, 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 shed that energy and you're trying to open up and let certain things out, you don't know how. This technique is super, super powerful. So let me explain to you how this works. If, let's say, you were molested when you were a child and it makes you feel so hurt that this happened to you. Don't write, I was hurt. Write other words that mean hurt. I was taken advantage of. Write that down. Mm. I was violated. 
write that down. I don't know why I saw Iyana Van Zandt, however you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. When you started saying those words, I just saw her face. Now say it, say it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She make you like really dig deep and mm-hmm. say how you feel instead of just like, mm-hmm. oh, it made me sad. Yeah. Like, no, how did you really feel? I hated him. That's right. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> but see, when you start to use other words to express how you feel, it now allows you to, it makes it easy for you to open up. Yeah. Because now, like, okay, let's say you, because typically when people go to a therapist, they don't know how to explain what they're feeling. But as they keep going, they eventually open up more and more and more. We always go there embarrassed and ashamed. Like, this is a therapist. You shouldn't be ashamed. They are here for you to open up. They ask questions. They do exercises and techniques to get you to open up. But a lot of people will go to a therapist and they'll be ashamed to tell their story because they think the therapist is going to look at them like they're crazy. No, this is their profession. They do this every day. Right. So you don't know how to say what it is because you've been giving it one title. What happened to you? My uncle molested me. You all right? I'm good. I got kids. I got a husband. I got... Da, 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 I'm good. Like, no. How are you feeling? And you just keep using one umbrella word for all of these bottled up emotions. But if you say, when your uncle molested you, how did you feel? And don't say hurt. Give me another word. You might say disgusting. Give me another word. Nasty. Give me another word. Uh, betrayed. Betrayed by who? My mother. Ah, now we getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now you're opening up and revealing things that's been in the shadow, emotions that you have never been able to release, but because you're using different words, those different words will trigger different emotional responses for you to eventually free yourself from this. And it may be painful and everything like that, but if you Make just want to get up and walk out, yeah. I don't need this F you, Iyana. <laughs> but the people who do that is because Iyana helped them hit a trigger point and they're not ready to deal with it. But the only way you're going to overcome it is you got to let that crap out. Yeah, them folks get mad at her. She don't even let me talk. She keep on over talking me and telling me I'm a liar and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, them people mad at Iyana. Okay, number four. Number four is self-soothing. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah, this is me right here. Mm-hmm. I know I'm hard on myself. Self-soothing is so important if you were raised by an emotionally detached parent because the soothing is what you didn't get from the parent. Mm. And a lot of people think that my mama or my dad didn't do right by me when I was growing up, so it's your responsibility to heal me. Your father's passed on. How is he going to do that? Right. So it's your job to self-soothe. He be coming in my dreams, though. I mean, you got a gift. Yeah. <laughs> my daddy be coming to me in my dream talking crap to me. But but a, a lot of people don't, they're not gentle with themselves. We're, we're I, You know how critical I am a, a, about when I make music, everything. And and uh, you'll be like, Phil, just let it go. Actually, being a perfectionist is a result of being raised by an emotionally detached parent. Wow. I just thought about Michael Jackson. Yeah, because you because f- he wrote on his vision board, I must be a perfectionist. But you see how his dad treated him. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, being a perfectionist is actually a result of being raised by an emotionally detached parent because you feel like I must do something to get their validation, wow. to get their love, to get them to to validate. So why me. are you a perfectionist? Same thing. 
six kids. I'm the baby boy. I did a lot of stuff on my own. Swimming team, uh, drawing. Well, I ain't no professional. But uh, Jesse was... White tumbling. I was involved in a lot of things, and, I, and my parents didn't even know I was doing it because my mama had 10 to 5 other kids and then we had a brother who got cerebral palsy so he got the bulk of her attention so it was like you know everybody used to tell me you so loud why you talk so loud you in the house with, with five other people yeah, you, you, you loud you gotta try to get get your <laughs> space for attention so you know um, you you start to develop these characteristics and these habits of I got to be if, if somebody gonna see me do it it's gotta be the best Look how long it took me to put out some music. You know what I mean? Just because. Finally, for the last five years. <laughs> Finally. You know? Yeah, so that, that comes from being raised by an emotionally detached parent. So how can we be gentle with ourselves? What are some of the ways to be gentle? I go get my nails done. That's being gentle? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that made me feel good doing something for myself. I go get a massage and stuff. That's, I, I, get, like, uh, I get a deep tissue massage. I go get my hair done. I just do something for myself to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. I do a lot for everybody else. Like, I do for the kids. I think about you. I go to the store, do stuff for the house. I clean. So, for me to relax and do something, be gentle to myself, I go get my feet done or something. So, relaxing is what the, Yeah. I go to... I take a nap. <laughs> I do. I take naps. That's actually really, really a good way of being gentle. Another way of being gentle with yourself is the way you talk to yourself. I never talk bad to myself like, you stupid, you this. I never did that. What I did was I was real hard on myself like, I need to do more of this. You know what I'm saying? I never called myself like, how people looking in the mirror, you ugly, you stupid, you this. I never did that because I, I know I'm not ugly. But I will be hard on myself as far as like if I see, like for example now, it's toys all over the living room and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning and I might come down to get a cup of water or something and I see toys everywhere. I'm like, you should have been able to clean this up earlier. Now you're upstairs laying down. I say stuff like that. So do you feel at that point you're being gentle? No. So then that's just as bad as calling yourself ugly because it makes you feel the same way another person would feel calling themselves ugly. Yeah. And here's the reason why people would call themselves ugly or stupid because they believe it. So they are saying or validating what they believe. Yeah, I I feel, although I know I'm not, but at the moment if I see something is like in disarray or something, I feel lazy because I'm like, I should have had enough energy to do that. It wasn't even that much, but I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm like, I'm just going to bed. And then you come down here for work, and it be toys everywhere. I mean, but <laughs> and see... You, and you're just training it up or something. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. So here's the thing. Being gentle is giving yourself the permission to be human. That's being gentle. I'm not no machine. I can't make a perfect song every time I create one. Right. I'm not a machine. I can't do everything perfectly. You can't keep a house clean that we live in and kids is constantly throwing piles of Legos and toys on the floor every time. You could go and clean up the living room, go upstairs, and the kids come down to play, and you sleep, and they open up a bag of Legos like they always do. Mm, How you supposed to know that? dump them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so, you know what? It used to be, you remember it used to be a poem, but I didn't take a nap because I would feel guilty about going to sleep in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And I kind of gave myself a pass because I used to be pregnant or I had just given birth, so I would, I would be tired. But when the kids got to a certain age, I'm like... 
I don't need no nap. But now I'd be like, man, hey, it's five o'clock nap time every day. I'd be looking forward to my nap time because I feel like that's, I think that's another reason why I'm so happy because getting rest. I'm getting rest. I'm not annoyed and irritated because I'm exhausted. Mm. I'd be like, I'm asleep. I'm sleepy. I'm finna go to sleep. Or I'd be like, I'm not cooking tonight. We eating pancakes. Like, I just, listening to you, I just take that burden off of myself. Mm-hmm. That's being gentle with yourself. Another way of being gentle with yourself is say the things to yourself. They call it self-mothering in the, therape- in the ther- ther- therapist world. Therapeutic world? However you want to say it. But therapists teach a technique called self-mothering. If you grew up in a home with an emotionally detached parent, say the things to yourself that you would want your mother to say to you when you were a child. Mm. So, like, if Noah if Noah hurt his hurt himself, and I go, "Oh boy, you all right?" That's pretty. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to hear that. Yeah. He want me to go. Oh, let me like you know. what I be doing. Yeah, he wants that. So, it this may sound silly to an adult. But it is so effective and it works. It's another way of being gentle and soothing yourself. You know what I mean? And the best way I could tell you to do it is think about what would you say to a friend if a friend came to you and they were crying and they were hurt? How would you treat them? All right. You wouldn't treat them the way you treat yourself. You wouldn't talk to them the way you talk to yourself. Well, you lazy. You should have got up and picked these toys up. It's one o'clock in the morning. You wouldn't say that to your friend. You know what? I don't know if it's my subconscious, me, or that's really my ancestors. But you know how you said, talk to yourself the way you would, would, you would like your mother to talk to you? you mo- I always hear my grandma. Like, um, something happened. And I was worried that um, something was going to happen to Avery or something. And every time I feel like that, I hear, it's all right, baby. She's going to be all right. And then I just immediately, immediately feel calm. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that me or that's really my big mama talking to me like that. But every time I hear her voice and tell me everything gonna be okay, I always feel better and I trust it and everything always be okay. What you're saying sounds like a secure attachment, and this is something that a lot of people who deal with emotionally detached parents go through. They will find another secure attachment. You know, like. Uh, you may have had a bad situation with your parent growing up and you you left and hit the streets early. Um, a lot of times people will find a secure attachment on the streets. You will hear people say, the drug, the streets raised me. And folks are like, how, how would you turn away from your parents to, to the streets? It's because you found a secure attachment. Your secure attachment sounds like your big mom. <laughs> when you hear a, 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 a validating, soothing, motherly voice, mm-hmm. you don't hear your mama voice. You hear your big mama voice. Mm-hmm. So that probably was your secure attachment. Mm. So we're going to move on to number five. Number five is positive affirmations. This is so important. I cannot stress how important this is. Here's the thing with positive affirmations. A lot of people think it's corny and it doesn't work. But you don't realize you are affirming to yourself through your language every day. Something. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. We learned a couple of years ago that there are certain words you should leave out of your vocabulary if you want to be empowered and attract the things you want. Uh, can't, hope, mm-hmm. wish, wish or want. Um, I think that's it. And I, and then got to. Oh yeah. 
Uh, these are words that you should not put into your vocabulary because it actually I gotta. devalue or or it it it's a it's an unempowering word words rather. And so what happens is, and I just used got to because we went through this when you was doing the postpartum thing. When you say things like I got to go to work, I got to cook, or I gotta go clean up the the kids' toys, I gotta you know come home because my wife is going to trip. None of that sounds like pleasure, fun, privilege, or freedom. It sounds like uh, a weight. sounds like pressure, um, an obligation that I can't get out of. I have no choice. I have no freedom. And so when you say every day, girl, what you really do? Well, I got to go home and cook. I will come out with y'all. But I got to get these kids. When you say that, you are using words of affirmation. But guess what they are affirming? Negative pressure. Yep, you a slave to what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, the same people who think saying positive affirmations is corny don't realize you're saying negative affirmations every day. Wow. And when you say it and your brain accepts it, your brain goes to work making it a reality. Right. So there's something in the brain called the reticular activating system. We talk about this a, a lot. It's basically a, a filter in your brain that allows you to delete information that's not important. So if you're focused on I want, which basically is saying I don't have it, that's why I want it, then the brain is going to continue to put you in a spirit or a space of want. If you say I can't, then the brain is going to... Because all the brain... The brain don't argue with you. It just accepts whatever you say. So if you're constantly affirming to yourself, I can't. I got all these kids. I ain't got no babysitter. Or I got to pay child support. Or whatever you claim you can't because the brain then goes to work making sure it becomes a reality. And how does it do it? Goes back to the beginning of this podcast. It takes this information and it attaches it to your belief. So now I believe that I will never get to blah, blah, blah because I can't or I want and I don't have or I wish and I don't know how. I hope, but ain't nobody going to help me. And you are using words of affirmation to make yourself feel horrible. And then the therapist or somebody come along and say, I want you to repeat these positive words of affirmation. And the first person, and I ain't finna say that shit every day. <laughs> but you're saying something mm-hmm. that's causing you to feel less empowered. And where did you get these negative words of affirmation from? Somewhere in your childhood, something happened, a situation. It may not even been with your parents. It could have been at school or something. And there was a girl that I liked, and all of a sudden, this dude came along, and she ended up going with him. And that that situation made me feel like it was something wrong with me. And so now, as an adult, here I am trying to figure out what's going on with me based off of something that happened when I was in fifth or sixth grade or something like that. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So positive affirmations are so powerful because what they do is it allows your brain to accept a fault and they'll create what is called a neural pathway. Whenever the brain creates a neural pathway, it takes the information you've been given and it, it, it creates a pathway to that information. So every time you say these words of affirmation, whether you believe it or not, you just keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it. Every day, you're being consistent. I think they say it takes 21 days for a habit to be mm-hmm. formed um, and stick. 
Do it for 21 days. Positive affirmation. Just keep saying it till you get it in your spirit. You're not really like, oh, I'm getting it in my spirit. No, your brain is going, this must be true. I feel it in my shondo. Whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so positive affirmations is super, super uh, important. What number we on, baby? See, it's, don't expect your parents to help you heal. Mm. Dang. That's not their responsibility. And see, this is what I was talking about earlier. Ooh, that that's that's okay. Go ahead. I don't want you to lose your train of thought. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What you gonna no, say? No, go. You go. Cause I know my train of thought. Yeah, cause I forget. Go ahead. So yeah, I, I don't forgot already. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, okay. Here it is. Okay. So that's that's a good. Okay, that's that's good because a lot of people like to blame their parents, mm-hmm. and so they want them to like, okay, it's your fault. I feel like this, so you have to, you know, apologize mm-hmm. for what you did to me or whatever. But a lot of people don't think they did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So they don't like apologize for what I was, I was working every day and taking care of you. What you mad for? Mm-hmm. You got everything you wanted when you was a kid. You yep. know what I'm saying? So instead of expecting your mama them or whoever raised you to help you heal, that's something that you should want to do on your own with or, with or without them. Now everything you said is on point. Let me tell you what therapists say when I was researching this. If you tell an emotionally detached parent that you were emotionally detached when I was growing up, and this is why I am the way I am as an adult, they may acknowledge, yeah, I could have done better, but they're going to immediately go back and defend why they yeah, were emotionally that's detached. that's what I just said. I was at work. Mm-hmm. I was busy working three jobs for you so you could have everything you want, and you mad because I ain't spend time with you. Like, they say shit like that to you, and you get angry all over again. Now, so here's what happens. When they defend their reasoning for being emotionally detached, they are, in that moment, emotionally detaching from you again. Mm. Because I am not being present with you and your emotions and what's going on with you. I am now leaving you and abandoning you again in this moment to go and defend why I wasn't with you when you were a child. Mm. You also got to think about it. If my parent was emotionally detached when I was a child and they had to take care of me, how likely are they going to be emotionally attached when I'm grown and they don't really have to take care right. of me now? I needed you to take care yeah, of me when anything, I was a kid. They're going to be like, you grown. You don't need me. Mm-hmm. So here's the second thing. A lot of people, and, and, and you see this a lot in the dating world, they will put their healing, the responsibility of their he- healing on the person who cheated or on the person mm. who left or the person who lied. And so what they'll say is, I just can't move on till I get closure. Okay, well, what if the person who hurt you has moved on with his or her life and they dating somebody else now? Right. You waiting for that faithful year date that y'all meet up and you can just say, I need to talk to you. So you're going to put your life in healing on hold, waiting for them to give you closure. Do not expect the person who hurt you to help you heal. This has got to be something that is personal, that you want to do yourself, that means a lot to you, and that, you know what? I want to live my best life. I want to be happy, and I'm not going to give somebody who caused me to be unhappy the responsibility to say, when they ready, when they mature enough, when Mm. they man up, now I'm going to be happy because they're going to come and we're going to have a conversation. They're going to apologize. It is not up to your parents to help you heal. It is up to you because you have a choice to either carry something that no longer serves you or let it go. All right, number seven. Understand that this is a process. 
This yeah, goes... a, lot of, a lot of people want stuff to happen overnight, just like mm -hmm. losing weight. We've been working out for, what, two weeks now, three weeks, and you just not saying, you look skinny. I'm like, damn, I've been feeling skinny for the last three weeks, and you just not seeing it. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's not going to, you know, happen overnight. It took you, wait, it took us, what, took me two years to get like this because I'm still trying to lose AV weight. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it took me two years to get like this, and I want to be like, 160 in mm -hmm. like two weeks. It's not possible. Yep. If you <laughs> so, yeah. if you understand it's a process, you're not gonna abandon the therapy. Yeah. You're not gonna abandon the techniques. You're not gonna abandon the healing practices. When because here's what happens. There's some pain that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to confront. So a lot of people want to take a magic pill and all of this pain go away. Or they want to go see a therapy, have one session, and all this pain go away. But there's going to be some situations that the therapist is going to bring up or you're going to encounter on your own, maybe some sleepless nights, whatever, and you're not going to like it. And so you're going to say, man, I, I quit. I quit. This is too much. I can't deal with it. I can't do it. And you're going to leave the process of healing to go back to suffering. Mm. But if you understand going into it, it's a process. I know it took me some years I've, I've been holding on to this shit for years. It's not going to leave immediately. If you understand that, it's easy for you to, to move forward into healing. So number eight is build up your support. Hold on. Number eight is build up your support group, a.k.a. your inner circle. Mm -hmm. I don't have an inner circle. You can build one, though. You yeah. just said it. <laughs> yeah. Building up well, your... Well, you my inner circle. I, I'm, I'm a part of it, but... Uh, I believe I do you have more group. people. You yeah. have groups that you're a part of on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I'm in a lot of mommy groups. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in a lot of support groups. So, yeah. I think building your support group is, is, is great. And here's the reason why. It replaces the unattached, detached, emotionally parent that you didn't have growing up. Because here's the thing. If I grew up in a detached, uh, emotionally detached home, I'm typically going to find people that did what my, what my parents did to me. Not because I want to keep living that, but because it's familiar. It's what I know. I didn't really have a strong relationship with my mama growing up, so I shouldn't have a strong relationship with my wife. Mm. I didn't have a, a strong relationship with my dad growing up, so I shouldn't have a strong relationship with, with my, daddy, my baby daddy, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, my supervisor is a man, and I had an issue with my father growing up, so I can't, I just, I don't work well with men. If I get a female supervisor, I'm good. Stuff like that happens. And you typically keep finding people that remind you of the chaos you grew up in. Mm -hmm. But if you build your own support group of loving, positive, high-energy, high-vibrational people, open-minded people, you know, all of a sudden, that's your therapy. Mm -hmm. You don't even realize you're going to therapy when they come over your house, when y'all go out to eat. Because these type of people are instilling in you what you wasn't getting when you was a kid. And this helps you heal and break the cycle of, you know, feeling less than or not being able to connect. Number nine is see an attachment-based trauma therapist. Attachment-based trauma therapist is a very great therapist for what we're talking about. Yeah. This is a person that is very skilled with emotionally detached parents. So if you do go see a therapist, seek out a trauma-based attached therapist. They can tell you about your attachment, uh, and they can go deeper than we going on this podcast to help you heal 
and to help you uh, really, really push through to, because there's something I learned from you when you was getting certified to be a yoga instructor. You used to always say, let go of no, what no longer serves you. And if the emotional trauma that I felt when I was molested, when I was raised by a parent who didn't care, when I was bullied in school, when I was put into foster care, all of the emotional trauma, carrying it around with me, how has it served you? Right. Nine times out of ten, it ain't serving you. Right? Yeah. So learn to let go of what no longer serves you. These therapists are great at attachments. You are attached to something that's not serving you. Right. And we think that if I keep it close to me, I can protect myself from it. I'm not protecting myself from it if I'm exposing myself to it every day. Right. And a good place to find, because a lot of people, because that was my issue about going to therapy is I couldn't find a therapist because I didn't know where to look. So a good place, this is this is how I found my therapist. A good place to find a therapist in your area is a website called ZocDoc.com. Is what is? I'm finna, I'm finna spell it out. I didn't even know what you just said. Zocdoc.com. So it's Z O C D O C dot com. Zocdoc. Yep. And okay. if you they they have all they have therapists, any kind of doctor you need, dentists, gynecologists, therapists, psycho psychologists. Psycho Psycho everything. So if you need a certain type of therapist, go on that website and or download that app and um find a the therapist because that's that's how I found my therapist. Okay. Zocdoc.com. Yeah. Z O C D O C dot com. Okay. So last but not least is understand your belief is not fact. What number is that? Ten. I said ten. that. <laughs> Didn't I? Sorry, y'all. It's number ten. Number ten. Understand your belief is not a fact. And that so here's the thing. The definition for the word belief is an acceptance that a statement is true or something exists without proof that it does. Mm. That's the that's the definition for belief that a statement is true or something exists without proof that it does. You just believe it. It doesn't mean that it's real. So for an example, everybody has probably had this experience where you felt or believed somebody was uh you ain't like them and he was like man i don't mess with so-and-so he just man i don't you know i don't like dude whatever and then y'all get to talking you realize like oh shoot you cool right man how come we ain't never hung out before it's because your belief you thought it was true and you thought that your belief was fact understand that what you believe about yourself these negative beliefs is not fact. And you can change your beliefs at any time, but it's going to take you going through the steps that we have been talking about and maybe even then some. So these are your 10 tips that we wanted to share. Hopefully we said something that resonated with you. Uh, if so, we want you to go on to Apple Podcasts. And leave us a rate and a review and just let us know how today's episode manifests and resonate manifest resonated with you. And if you know somebody who's suffering from emotional trauma, they're making bad decisions, you know, have them listen to this episode. Maybe some of these tips can help them. And, you know, let us know how that goes. But before we go, we want to leave you with two goodies. 
There are two books that we're going to recommend that you read that will help you if you have mother issues or if you have father issues. You want to tell them what the first book is? The first book is The Emotionally Absent Mother by Jasmine Lee Corey. So this book is a really, really good book. Uh, it actually has tips and, and techniques that you can apply and work on to help you get over emotionally detached parents. And then the second book is The Unavailable Father by Sarah S. Rosenthal. So these are two great books that you could read to help you start to whatever these negatives that you have been carrying and holding on to for the last half many years, you can now start pushing yourself in the direction of healing. And, you know, we would love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for us that we may have left out, maybe you're a psychotherapist or you are someone who works with emotionally traumatic clients, please hit us up at how we do a podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to get a reading with yours truly, who helps you with clarifying and understanding some of the things that you do have in your shadows, how can they do that? Y'all could go on my website at www.bluelotusreadings.as.me. Yep. And I don't have nothing to offer. <laughs> yes, you do. Now, I, well, I tell you, you what. You have I, love. I do have some T-shirts getting ready to drop for the Lion Dance community, and I'm Woo-hoo. super excited about these. Woo-hoo. Let me say this real quick before we get out of here. My Dalton T-shirts did really, really well, and I want to thank everybody who purchased and supported buying the shirts. Uh, so I'm moving on to another collection, and this one is for my line dancers. I cannot wait to launch this one. So uh, I will be giving y'all some information coming soon. Do got two new projects dropping. Uh, May 26th, I'm dropping a new single for the line dance. It's already line dance out. It's called Soul Step. And I'm dropping another single for the line dancers. It's called The Candy Lady. That's dropping June 26th. So big things in the work. So in the meantime, in the between time, I want to thank you all again for checking out the podcast. We will see y'all next week on episode 58. If you would like to be a guest on the show, hit us up at howwedoapodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, peace out. Bye, y'all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.